Welcome to the Thursday, June 25th edition of Listen and Learn or Not in the year 2020. It is our third month in lockdown. <laughs> we are still in face masks. We are still social distancing. But I'd like to introduce life coach Lori, radio personality and fashion stylist for your face because she makes really pretty face masks. Hi, Lori. <laughs> we also have Claire, radio personality and winner of the June 2020 company walking challenge. <laughs> she was among many in our company who participated and helped us win the most steps taken last week in the Seattle market against well, Minneapolis, I guess. Congratulations to you, Anna, because you really you really spearheaded that whole thing. I, I was by no means the winner, although I did my part. I did participate, but it was a thousand percent a team effort, and I'm very proud of, of our team. Yeah, yeah. It it was it was really it was fun because I knew of all the things that they have us try to participate in, like they want us to do Zoom trivia and, and there was a time they were gonna have us all meet at a park, but then the new phase or the new uh thing about not being able to still have more than ten people or something. Right. So and I'm like, I don't know, I don't I don't want to participate and then this thing I'm like, Oh yeah, this is my jam. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Anna D, who does everything. Everything. <laughs> everything. If you need something done, a brochure, a commercial, a pep talk, whatever it is, pep talk. <laughs> Anna does it. Oh, well, welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for being here. Well, I feel like we may need to just say a little bit about Capitol Hill just because it's been so thrown out of proportion in the news. Yeah, boy, I could do four hours on that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you did make us look into what defunding police meant, and that was so great, Claire, because it made a lot of sense. And when, when it was first coming out, it was an instant knee jerk. Wait, no, we need police and that it wasn't that at all. And so I was really grateful you brought that up because it caused me to look and pay attention, not just assume. And I was really grateful for that. And and me too. And, and for those of you who, who weren't here when we talked about it last time, uh, one of the things we were saying is it's one of the worst named pursuits yeah. because I guess to keep it short and snappy, people are saying defund the police. And that's really not what it means. It, it doesn't doesn't mean don't give them any more money for salaries and equipment they need. It's more about a movement of demilitarizing the way that our police have built up their forces over the last several years. This is nothing new where they gathered certain equipment and vehicles and, and, and machinery that is more militaristic than community related. Mm -hmm. And that's what the defund movement is about. And it's unfortunate that people thought that meant, well, we're just not going to have police anymore or that right. they have to do it for free or something. I've learned a ton along the way in all of this. And I learned something new every day. I have learned, I learned a bunch about the history of Capitol Hill and the East Precinct and how it relates to the Central District and you know, Seattle history, including gay rights, as well as um, rights of people of color. And it's like, I feel like every day I learned something new about the chop, about that area. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and, and to me, what really comes forward is that getting to the truth is so important, however we do it, that we don't just, like I did, I was like, defund police, that we actually look at it 
see what it's really about, and then make an educated decision if we're even going to participate in a conversation and not just mimic what we've heard, but actually get to the truth. And when we do that, it's going to make a big difference. Right. Yep. Yep. There was a podcast, Lori, that you had introduced me to. They really went in depth about where police funding sometimes comes from. And it, it was shocking a little bit about like kind of connected to the prison system, right? Do you remember hearing this about like, so when you make a phone call to the prisons, I guess it's a lot, it's a lot of, I don't know yes. if it's a lot of money to, um, it, it to is a lot of money. fork up, right? To, uh, to talk prison. to someone in prison. Yeah. And so a bunch of it goes to, I guess, police funding and everything. And uh, so that was, it was interesting to hear that part of it. It's just the different things that contribute to the funding of, of police. And and when you say demilitarize, I mean, we're not talking they're going to turn into Keystone cops from the olden days, right? Right. Like, right. <laughs> there's just got to be two cops with a little paddy wagon. Right. That, <laughs> I don't think that's going to be the case. Right. That podcast was Wrongful Convictions. They did an episode and they had a panel. Really, they did explain a lot of things. Yeah. And it, it was almost like, I don't know if you've ever heard the whole term, get their quota, kind of thing. Yes. Like I used to hear that about like parking tickets or speeding, speeding tickets. I'm yeah. like, well, that makes me mad. You know, the, the whole reason why they're just out there is just to try to reach their quota. I don't know if that stuff's true, but when they kind of mention that, why do we have positions that rely on keeping people in custody or, or imprisoning people? And so that was eye-opening too. Right. Because we don't realize how deep it goes. Right. Right. Yeah. The, uh, the documentary uh, 13th by Ava DuVernay touches on this uh, as well about prisons and to the African-American community going back from when slavery was abolished and then through Jim Crow and sort of the concept of indentured servitude and, and what that meant and, and how that's kind of fed into the prison system, too. It's too complicated to go into here, but it's a very interesting documentary. But I think the fact that we're paying attention and we're saying, oh, wow, this is more than Seattle Capitol Hill. The best way we can vote is to be educated. A better way is to get into politics if, if you have at all an inkling of that so that we mm -hmm. can help get the laws passed that we want. But to realize the depth of where this came from, because we can't undo a knot unless we, we can get to the core of it. Yeah, oh, it's a great, such a great analogy. It's so simple and so... Exactly. You, you can't undo it till you get to the middle. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for some of us. It's a lifetime of undoing something that something we didn't even know that we learned. And now we have to unlearn. Exactly. Like you said before uh, with Anta, Lady Antebellum was a blind mm -hmm. spot. And I thought about that all week after you brought that up. And I thought that is so great because we do, we all have blind spots. And it's like when you <coughs> cut someone off and they honk and you absolutely didn't see them and you looked it's such a terrifying feeling mm -hmm. to think they were right there and I absolutely didn't see them. I thought about that all week, how, in fact, I prayed, I asked God, show me my blind spots. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And before we, I don't know if we were going to move on, but going back to, to defund the police and, and, and that whole notion, something else that I learned is that there are many calls that police respond to that, they're, they don't want to respond to. They're not qualified to respond to. Mm -hmm. and, they, and they're the first ones to tell you that, that 
part of, of reallocating the funding that would go toward the, I guess what we're calling militarizing the police, would go to shore up other people with different skill sets. So crisis responders, domestic violence responders, uh, mental health responders, who would go either along with or instead of police when the 911 call comes in. You don't always need an armed police officer to respond. You might need someone who's better trained in suicide prevention and that type of thing. And the police themselves, and the police chief talked about this, this is something that they have long wanted to implement, is, is getting this skill set involved rather than the cop being the first responder, because that, that puts a lot of pressure on the police Mm-hmm. when they're in over their heads on mental illness or other issues. And I do yeah. know in Seattle and Everett, they have what they call an embedded social worker. And mm. they do go out with the police on calls, especially with the homeless. It's something, it's a program they have been building. And I think that adding to it domestic violence, because I do know as I ran Esther's place, the homeless women, so many of them, when they share how they got out of drugs, they'll say this cop and this embedded social worker, which in Everett, we all know Lauren Rainbow's name. She actually Mm -hmm. even helped my son. And so she's with the sheriff's department. She's not a police, but she is an embedded social worker. And I love her so much because she wants to see they're making an effort. And if they are, then she is is all there to help them get the help they need. Yeah, if if there's somebody uh, that is easily accessible, fast moving to go to wherever they need to go to Mm -hmm. de-escalate the situation, that's that's big. I think the big part of the problem was, yeah, if police get there and they have to be, like you said, Claire, the ones to be the psychologist, the social worker, the this, they're probably not qualified. And then we've had, unfortunately, folks that were truly not qualified. They were the first per- people to be there and they would have to, they just fired their gun. How do we get it so that people like your friend there, Lori, and other social workers, other people who have, who are experts in de-escalating a situation so that neither parties, the, the, uh, the officer or the suspect, are going to get hurt. Right, right. And I do think that's what they're talking about and working on. I think that this is true. I don't have... Police don't want to go to domestic violence. And the reason is, is because there's an accusation and then it's retracted because of the nature of domestic violence. And so in those situations... If they could go together, because you might have a violent person that you need to get under control, but the the one who's being violated needs support in not just letting it go. So that's a whole area, too, where, you know, there can be a lot of roughness when it's because of the volatileness of the situation. So I think, yeah, the fact that they're even looking at that and realizing the need for it gives me a lot of hope. Right. Yeah. And and we we live in a part of a con- part of the country that's a bit further along in the thinking about this kind of stuff. There are a lot of parts of the country where this conversation we're having right now is new. I'm glad that I'm I'm so sorry for all the things that have happened and the violence that's happened, but I'm so glad that we're like like Lori says, we're untying the knot yeah. Of, yeah. Of, a, of a lot of what's happening. And having a conversation and 
I know that one podcast I love, love, love. I can't think of the name, but it's uh, who's Grace, Will and Grace. What's her name? Deborah. Um, Deborah Messing. Yes. It, the dissenters. Mm-hmm. And the gal she's on with is just a big advocate in voting. And they start the show with go to this number wherever you live. Find out if you're registered to vote. Make sure you're registered to vote. Make sure you vote. And if we want change, then we have to look at the issues, which is hard sometimes, and we have to make an educated decision for ourselves, and we have to vote. Right. Well, I'm, I, I got to say, hey, there's the puppy. Hang on. Everything, everything okay over there? It's a burglar. They spotted yeah. a squirrel. The Amazon delivery man is here to kill me. Oh. It's so <laughs> dangerous. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All is well. All is well. It's just a... Just a package, everybody. Stand down. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, be sure to sanitize it, Mom. (laughs) They're like, dog bones. One thing that I'm having a little issue with right now about the whole trying to undo knots right now is that there are people that today, it seems like they don't feel like there are any knots that need to be undone. And um and a lot has been happening the last few weeks and so much of an other side right now saying, well, you know what? Systemic racism doesn't exist. And and now the the deeper issue right now I'm having, now that we've, uh, like last week, Claire, you are talking about how your wife goes to church and uh, you are talking about Christ earlier, Lori, that like right now I am wondering if our churches, oh gosh, I always cry with you guys. I don't know why. I love it so okay. much. Uh, crying so much during these things. Because you're um, passionate. It matters. Yes. It does. Yes. It does. Like our, our churches, I, I've been clicking around. So some of our churches, they're not really recognizing what's happening with the um, the whole Black Lives thing. And so it's just been sad because we're hurting, we're crying, and um, it's like, I guess priests aren't like really bringing it up. This is almost like they're not acknowledging it. And, you know, and I, I guess I've heard some like ministers, faith ministers, or say, well, they try to say it in general, just generalize it. So like there is a, there's a portion of the Catholic Church that, uh, is called the prayers of the faithful. I th- I get. I think it would be in in uh, your church too, Claire. The that's when they say, "Here, Lord, hear our prayer." That mm-hmm. part of it. Sure. And so it's like they kind of gloss over the whole for everyone who's feeling injustice. Let us pray to the Lord. And it's. I don't know. I. I don't know if I even am like overreacting about it, but I know I'm not the only one who's feeling it, that it's almost like they're failing us. Can I ask you a question, Anna? Sure. What would you like to see or hear when you're cruising around looking? What would it be that you would go, oh, yes, this is what I was hoping for? Well, I, I guess I would hope that they would actually talk about and acknowledge that black lives have been in danger. I feel like they just don't engage in that at all, ever. So you feel um, like they're just completely avoiding the topic altogether? Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, not that they're saying anything against it. They're just not no. even acknowledging that it's happening. No, no. Recently, like, uh, Whoopi Goldberg sent actually an Instagram 
out speaking to Pope Francis, and I love Pope Francis. I think he's just an outstanding Pope, one of the most outstanding ones we've had, at at least in my lifetime. I worked with an atheist, and he Mm -hmm. said, if I was ever going to become Catholic, it would be under this Pope. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he goes out of his way to feed the homeless, mm-hmm. and and I think during one of his early times as pope, he actually disguised himself so that he could sneak out and mm-hmm. and uh, help the poor, in street clothes or something. I so I I love the guy. Here's Whoopi in her own words. Good morning. This is a message for Pope Francis. Good morning, Your Holiness. Please forgive me for reaching out like this, but I thought this might be the fastest way to reach you. I was talking to a friend of mine who happens to be a priest, and he's an Irish priest who has a a black parish. And he's in a lot of pain because he feels that the church has not said anything definitively about standing with its black parishioners or saying that yes, black lives matter, brown lives matter that the church recognizes that it needs to remind maybe it's cardinals and priests that they have to treat parishes that are mixed or parishes that are all black the same way that they treat parishes that are all white. He was very upset because he felt that Jesus's work was not being done here. And I wondered if there was something you might be able to do to send the message that the Catholic Church knows Black Lives Matter. It knows that there is no difference between a Black Catholic and a white Catholic or a Hispanic Catholic, that everyone that God has in his hands matters. So I wondered if maybe you could put some words of encouragement to people of color in the Catholic Church and say that you stand with them and that The church will not tolerate black folks being treated any differently than anyone else, or brown folks for that matter, that the church will treat, and you'll make sure that they do, everyone the way that Jesus treated everyone. That's it. Thank you for listening or watching this. So do you, do you kind of hear what I'm saying, I guess? I mean, I am on three hours of sleep, so I'm like probably extra emotional and extra like weird about this. But Has there I'm been like, any response to that? I don't know. I don't know. I've checked Pope Francis's Twitter. Which he um, does, which he is definitely on. I mean, he's, yeah. he's definitely got Twitter down and he's got people, so... Yeah, and he has English version of his Twitter and Italian uh-huh. and all, all different languages translating his words. So the last I saw about any injustices or anything that might be close to it was weeks ago. So I would have to look today and see if he, he responded. But I think this had been like three or four days ago that Whoopi Goldberg sent this and I checked around yesterday. Yeah, I, I guess like this one girl on a Zoom call not that I took, but I just, someone had posted it. It was this Caucasian girl and a Caucasian priest in one window and three other young women. And this one girl was saying it perfectly. It was just like, I saw my roommate listening to her church and the sermon was from start to finish, everything I really wanted to hear. And then I go to, to live stream 
our Catholic mass. And it was like, la-di-da, the world's not burning, everything's normal. And I was like, no, I deserve to go to a church and in my faith feel seen and heard and feel like, I guess, it's just uncomfortable you're going to skip over all of that while meanwhile black people are in congregation hurting and crying on the inside. And people are like, you know, the rest are just like, oh, la-di-da, we're just broken and shattered. So it's exactly how Whoopi said. I want to hear something specific. Well, and I think that we would rather hear yes or a no rather than nothing because indifference, in my perception, indifference is abuse because you're not validating, you're not bringing it up, you're not giving it any kind of voice. Even if you gave it a big fat no, then we can have a conversation. But when we're not bringing it up, that feels it feels offensive because here you've got people hurting. It's like if if somebody loses a child and you see him and you're like, hey, how you doing? And and, you know, they've lost a child and you just pretend nothing happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we have to address the hurting and we have to be humble about it and be like, I know there's nothing I can say. I want you to know that that I'm hearing you, that I care even that. Even if if you can't commit to something, but you acknowledge that there is something going on. You know, it's it's been weeks. It's been weeks since George Floyd, Mm -hmm. right? And I guess I I don't know how to explain it more than even though we're seeing so much hope because I'm seeing young people and people outside of the black community just really stepping up. I really do. But this has really opened up wounds. And it's like... I, I don't know how to explain it more than you remember the feeling you had when 9-11 happened, mm. like yeah. that explosive and that violent, yeah. like that. And even yeah. though that one was unprecedented, like we've never gone through that before in our lifetime. I think a lot of people are seeing this for the first time when it's been happening. So it's new to a lot of people, but it's not new to other people. Many Anna, people of color. Uh, I, I have a question. Sure. Do you think that is part of the problem or is contributing to the problem the fact that you can't actually go to church and see and talk to your priest or your pastor that it's all coming at you on video right now because of COVID? You know, I don't know because I feel like with all the protests and the whole world blowing up about it, that it should be on their minds. It should be the top, like one of the top things on their minds. It's so obvious. There's everything, you know, with especially a few weeks ago with all the whole world just protesting. And then we have CHOP, our Capitol Hill thing. And it, it just seems like, shouldn't it be on top of their minds? At, and, and shouldn't something be said yeah, to but acknowledge? I guess what I'm wondering, and I'm not making an excuse for them because I would thousand percent agree with you that it that it needs to be. I guess what I'm wondering, coming at it like, well, I have to, I have to present my weekly television show mass now right like i wonder if they've lost the personal touch right now because they don't have parishioners sitting in front of them and interacting and seeing those faces seeing the diversity of the faces within the faith if because maybe the leaders themselves are so isolated with what's happening that they're almost by rote putting out their sermons and their services and and they're not feeling the diversity because we're all separated right now. Well, yeah, and I understand what you're saying. I I guess they they are aware that there are 
it's a mixed congregation. It is mostly white, yes, but it is a mixed congregation. We talked to even another person, a black parishioner from the same parish, and they felt the same way. His words were, they are failing us. They're hollow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that that's, it's just, it's, it's not right. Uh, And I wish, I don't know what the solution is. If you could, if you could find you, and I don't mean you personally, you like if, if whoever could find a way to bring it to their attention, like really, and, and not even, obviously Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg has a big platform and she's gone to the biggest platform in yeah. specifically in the Catholic faith anyway, but within all the faiths and all the denominations, if, if people listen to this podcast are feeling that it's not being addressed, you need to let them know. You need to individually get with the leaders of, of, of your clergy right there in your neighborhood and say, you're not, you're ignoring the problem. You're right. avoiding it. You're not speaking. We really appreciate that you're delivering, the, you're checking the weekly boxes of the things that we need to hear to get through the service that we're accustomed to every Sunday, but you're not helping us heal from this one major wound that that is not on the page right now. It needs to come from your heart and not from the page or the Bible or the Torah or, or whatever your faith is. Right. And I think to add to what your question was about, yeah, maybe they're not seeing it. I guess what makes me so mad is that we're seeing a lot of backlash from the George Floyd stuff. So I'm talking mm-hmm. what happened with NASCAR. I mean, I guess that maybe the noose didn't really happen according to them. But <laughs> Oh, I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Go ahead and finish your thought. <laughs> but then we know that a, a Confederate flag flew over. And, and then there's, okay, there's people getting hung black men getting hung from different states that and it's not happened maybe one of them they say might have been a, a truly a suicide according to the family but the others question mark so there's a lot of things going on right now where there's a lot of people saying no top officials saying no systemic racism doesn't happen and all this stuff is people there's clearly seeing that people are denying that it's hap- that that it's there that racism is even existing and they don't acknowledge that there's gaslighting happening and all this stuff so but it's clearly happening like it's they they see it happening but they're yeah. not doing a, a thing about it so yeah <laughs> One thing that I'm thinking of hearing you say this is that, like they call them the flat earthers, the people that just won't accept what really is, and that we're probably never going to change them or get to them. But one thing I heard on Dr. Caroline Leaf's, do you remember this, Anna? Her son-in-law, when he was young, he had a girlfriend who was white, and Grandpa did not like blacks at all. And so she'd always say, Grandpa's here, do you want to come over? And he would come over, and he would be like, hey. And then he started talking about sports. Well, Grandpa loved sports. Before you know it, Grandpa loved this kid. Yeah, When he was totally against it. And I think that when you think about... The way we're going to make a difference is that one-on-one relationship and that yeah. our focus isn't on the people that are never going to get it or they're too old or whatever, but that we that we continue to work with the young people, the people that are going to make a difference, our lawmakers, that, that that's where we put our focus and that we we just shake our head at those ignorant people who say there is no problem. Yeah. 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 I love that you you said this, Lori, because that is a perfect example of 
getting that opportunity to know someone outside of your race. That grandpa, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. he was, I'm, I hate to say he was forced, but it gave him an opportunity because his granddaughter, it was his granddaughter that gave him that opportunity because she was going out with him. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we got to find opportunities to get people together. People don't want to, and yeah, right now it's hard because of COVID. Okay, teachers, match people up in your classrooms with people that are unlikely to hang out with each other and they don't look like each other. Welcome books and history teachers that will tell you about history that the textbooks don't talk about or what we didn't learn. Mm-hmm. Us, the three of us growing up, um, didn't learn. And I, I will say my son in middle school had an awesome teacher named Mr. Taylor. He was a history teacher. I loved his story. He just had a hard, sort of a hardship growing up stuttering. And then, so he had stuff on his own, but he made sure growing up when he became a history teacher that he didn't just teach what he was taught in school himself and he didn't just teach in the textbooks. He gave the other perspectives, like how Rosa Parks, he, she wasn't really an old lady when she was like little things like that, but big things like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just the little details that nobody ever thought to, to bring up. So, yeah, workplaces, maybe sure to welcome other people of color don't just hire people that look like you, things like that, I guess. I know I always come back to this, but smile. We're having to wear yeah. masks now <laughs> as of today. A lot of times we're walking down the road and we just don't look at people and smile. But I think now more than ever, whoever it is, whatever color, whatever age, that we look in the eyes, even if we can't take our mask down, we smile, we make that contact because mm-hmm. that's where we say, even I always tell people when they say, how do I help a homeless person? I say, When you see them on the corner, as long as it's not your neighborhood, you just look them in the eyes and you smile. You don't give them money. You don't give them things. But you look at them and you acknowledge that they're a person. And I think that goes a long way. I think with the mask now, you have to add a little wave. Like just, it doesn't have to be like a giant wave, but just like pass your hand like, hey, with your smile. Oh, yeah. that works. That really does work. So I've been waving at people while I while I jog with the mask yeah. on. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did a little nod yesterday. I was with a friend, and I was like, I smiled. And I'm like, I don't know if it's showing up in my eyes, so I just kind of did a little nod, and I was, and they nodded <laughs> back, and I was like, okay, this is good. So, and I loved what you said. You said, let's do this, you know, in the schools, and so let's just do a final weigh in because this is what's so important. And it is Pride Month and Claire acknowledging and being kind to lesbian and gay people rather than treating them bad is so important. And I'm convinced more than ever, we are here to love. And whenever we pass a judgment on anyone, we are not doing God's will. We are not loving. And the Mm. other thing that I heard today was a judgment only affects us if we believe it. And so again, if somebody is saying something and and we're affected, maybe we have a little bit of truth. Maybe we have a little bit of racist or judgment in us. And so let's point the figures at ourselves. Let's get ourselves really clear on where we stand and what we believe, because that's what shines when the, when the water gets hot and the tea bag shows up, you know, what's inside really comes out. And so if we work on what's inside us and what we truly believe and how we choose to love, it is going to show up in everything we do. That is awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
And my apologies. I, I really did no, only have like three and a don't. half hours of sleep. Yeah, but you know <laughs> what, Anna? Every apologize. time you have done this, it's brought this amazing conversation, and we have to have these conversations. Yes. 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 Yeah. It's called Me listen too. and learn or not. And <laughs> I, I learn something every week from you guys. Every single week I learn something. And Anna, that was really powerful. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Thank you for being vulnerable with us. Brene Brown would be so proud of you. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I love Brene Brown. Me too. Oh, yeah. that's so awesome. Well, thank you ladies so much. This was woo, intense. <laughs> well, we hear you and we care and you can always say whatever you need to to us. Thank you. Thank you. Well, would that have been your life tip of the week or did you have something um, I feel like that's, that's a life tip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 We could all learn. We can <laughs> all learn from that for sure. Well, thank you, Claire and Life Coach Lori. And uh, thank you for downloading us and listening to our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and comment below. Five star rating is, is good. <laughs> Five stars, people. This is Listen and Learn or, or not. not. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye.